0: Welcome
1: to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt once again joined by Angel. I'm happy to report that I got the proverbial frog out of my throat from last week, <laughs> and it really made me think, Angel, where the heck did the idiom even come from to have a frog in one's throat? The website, thegrammarist.com, or at least the internet AI pretending to be thegrammarist.com, tells me. To have a frog in one's throat means to be temporarily hoarse due to phlegm collecting in one's throat. Having a frog in one's throat is temporary. It is not an ongoing condition or serious medical malady. Usually, one may clear one's throat by affecting a slight cough. The expression to have a frog in one's throat first appeared in the United States during, believe it or not, the 1800s. And comes from the fact that a person so afflicted sounds as if he is croaking like a frog. All other stories floating around the internet about frogs being a medieval cure for various maladies is apocryphal. So, I wanted to give you a few idioms to get your favorite type of reaction the gut reaction in what is our newest segment angel's group of words or phrase that has a figurative meaning that is not easily deduced from its literal definition talk corner or a-g-o-w-o-p-t-h-a-f-m-t-i-n-e-d-f-i-l-d-t-c for short (laughs) so i have a few of them here the first one close but no cigar how do you feel about that one I never understood
2: it <laughs> do you uh, any ideas of where it comes from I imagine it's somebody holding out the cigar right in front of you and you're like gimme gimme you're like trying to snatch it away <laughs> and the guy goes ah close but <laughs> Yo, no cigar people
1: are so addicted to cigars they're like <laughs> gimme gimme certain rob people over the cigars <laughs> yeah. The origins of it come from carnival or fair games, where in the late 19th and early 20th century, a prize would often be a cigar. So you'd almost win the game it'd be close, but no cigar. Has that changed your opinion on close,
2: but no cigar at all? It changes my opinion on everything related to what we can buy now. Why aren't we getting free cigars? What the hell? I
1: think at a carnival... I'd like to win a free cigar. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Like instead of a goldfish, I want cigars back. (laughs) Yes. Let's bring it back. Get some like kids, some cigars. Why not? (laughs) The next one, number two, cut the mustard, cut the mustard. How do you feel about this one? Your gut reaction to cut the mustard.
2: My gut reaction is, I feel like I've heard this before. In a distant television show, never paid attention to it. I don't know, know what it means, but I am a fan of mustard, and I have no idea why I would ever want to cut it. Yep.
1: Well, it's different than also there's a, a variation of it up to muster. Uh So it's mm. and mustard and mustard. Mustard. So it, cut the it. mustard is um, unknown origins or even purpose, but... In the 1800s, newspapers were using it the same way that we currently use it today to show that you are able to meet a certain expectation of somebody, so you're able to cut the mustard. I mean, my gosh, what what a phrase, cut the mustard. Wow. The 1800s are very mm-hmm. innovative. Well, it could have even been from the 1700s. It was only 1800s newspapers. That's the first time mm-hmm. it went into print. I, I think it's interesting of like language that just commonplace but then is never really was never really written down at all. Yeah I always find that really interesting of like the we have these phrases that everyone says or some people say and it's like well where the hell did that come from? Was it
2: like etymology? Yeah and then we just take them for granted Mm -hmm. until somebody who's learning the language asks, What does that mean? And you're left wondering, (laughs) well what does that mean? Good good luck being a
1: uh English as a second language when you're trying to learn cut the mustard. (laughs) <laughs> uh our next one i think I might have said it a few episodes ago number three is get down to brass tacks when you hear this
2: how do you feel inside like i'm being uh like I'm a pincushion <laughs> because every time every time i hear that phrase I always think of thumbtacks mm-hmm. just getting tossed
1: on some thumbtacks <laughs> yeah. it's uh it any ideas where it comes from
2: military because of the word brass no nope. the only thing <laughs> the
1: general consensus consensus is that it comes from the idea of brass tacks being a central and vital component in furniture and upholstery and goes back to at least the 1800s wow mm-hmm. <laughs> so you get down to such a fine level that you're getting down to the brass tacks of the furniture so i mean what's uh-huh. that phrase in a whole new light I mean, I guess it puts it down to the same light. It puts it down to the <laughs> brass tacks of it. So everyone has one. What is your least
2: favorite idiom? Um, I would say pulling my leg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder where that comes from.
2: Or yanking my chain. Yeah, you're
1: yanking my chain, my gold chains. <laughs> I, mean, I mean you're a big fan of gold chains, so yep, gotta, gotta wear gold and platinum. Mm-hmm, both combined. <laughs> yank yeah. Yanking my leg. Um so meaning like you're you're joking. Yeah. Is my understanding of the idiom, but who started yanking on people's legs?
2: Or chains. Or chains, yeah. You're yanking and why my why would leg. that why would that constitute a joke? Can you you imagine being in a situation where someone's
1: (laughs) doing something and they just start yanking your leg? What if you have a prosthetic leg and someone just pulls it off? (laughs) So, uh, weird side story, because I just thought of this when you mentioned ripping off legs. I don't know if I'll keep this in the final episode, but there's there's a a wrestler, Kevin Nash, he was in a match, and... there's an old man in the front row. His name, it just looked like old guy, but it was actually a older wrestler, uh, mad dog, Vachon. And he had a prosthetic leg that very, very few people knew about. So, oh God. so Kevin Nash, like hits him in the head. <laughs> I think like <laughs> goes to beat him up more
0: and he rips, <laughs> he rips off his leg and he's like, Oh my God, I ripped off your leg. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yep. Oh, uh, and it was just an old guy on his back that couldn't get up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, entertainment. Entertainment. <sighs> so I guess he yanked his leg.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so,
1: this concludes Angel's group of words or phrase that has a figurative meaning that is not easily deduced from its literal definition, talk corner. Thank you.
2: I think we need to work on the name. <laughs> No,
1: I mean, I had a very good abbreviation that (laughs) was very succinct and to the point. (laughs) This week, mi amigo, we turn our attention to our newest entity, La Llorona. According to a several part blog post from the Library of Congress from just actually a few weeks ago, La Llorona The Weeping Woman is a spirit that haunts the folklore of Mexico and other Latin American countries. In some versions, she's a ghost, while in others, she's an immortal wanderer, not dead, but not really alive either. In all versions, however, she weeps loudly in the night. So what is your interpretation of this angel, an immortal wanderer, not dead, but not really alive either? Are there any other entities that you can think of that are even similar to that?
2: I don't know if we ever said if we ever came to a conclusion if this was dead or alive, but I kind of think of the Wendigo.
3: Uh yeah.
2: I don't think. I'm trying to think back of uh,
1: looking at it, they weren't. They weren't dead. I don't think I ever really had the impression that they were dead. They, I suppose, just like this, something in between, right? Yeah, because they consumed flesh and then they weren't they were no longer themselves i suppose you could say but they weren't particularly living dead or something to that effect if you had to pick between becoming either a ghost and an immortal wanderer which would you
2: prefer i'm pretty sure i'd be immortal wanderer why do you say that because you could do so many cool things Uh, as you said yourself yeah as you said yourself we can't tell if the wendigo is alive or not people can I can like live in the in the in the forest and people can say they spotted me and they can't be sure if it's real or not but they can't say it's a ghost. I mean, they could say it's a ghost, but it's not a ghost. When somebody does approach me, I could just be like, hey, how's it going? Like, oh, it's just a regular person. And then they look again, and then I'm gone. It's like no human could just disappear like <laughs> that. What's going on? You Harry? Who do you need them? You escaped. <laughs> um, hmm.
1: <clears throat> ghost or immortal wanderer? Um, I think I'd rather be the Ghost. Immortal yeah. Wanderer, like, what story out there that has an immortal person that doesn't end like, my God, I want to die? <laughs> like, immortality <laughs> always ends up being a curse. And this one has the added component of wandering. <laughs> so you couldn't just stay in your forest angel. You have to constantly be wandering from forest to forest.
2: Well, I'm, I'm, I like to travel. Uh... You, you
1: would potentially be a immortal train vagabond
2: <laughs> just uh, showcasing all around the country yep. from small town to small town just trying <laughs> to catch a drink i only know one immortal that is pl- very happy to continue living his life forever and that's santa claus
3: oh he
2: has the mantle
1: granted by the like fae folk the fae council <laughs> yep. that met Oh, so I suppose for the Santa Claus, if you kill him, you you just get the mantle. Not really. I don't know. I I picture the mantle being like a cloak, but it's not really like that at all. They it just it's just like a thing they gave him, an uh, untangible thing.
2: I thought it was like a piece of paper that says <laughs> you're immortal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And well, I suppose that's what makes the clause. The because clause. it's it's, <laughs> it's a contract. It's a contract. Yeah. <laughs> it all started with the <clears throat> Fey folk, man. So, the book "The Weeping Woman" encounters with La Llorona by Edward Garcia Crawl and Judith Beattie, tells of several encounters from the with the entity from various sources and gives us an idea of just how wildly different the encounters can really be. According to the book. La Llorona can sometimes see you from afar, and that can be enough of a reason for her to hunt you. Other times, she appears riding a horse, or even in your car as you are driving it, supposedly warning you against bad behavior before vanishing just as quickly as she appeared. And similar to what we saw with Bloody Mary, some unlucky encounters can simply lead to your death. So why do you think there are so many different variations of what can happen if you encounter La Llorona,
2: Angel? There's many um, variations simply because this start, um, we'll go, I, I know you'll go into it later, but it started off as a tale told in uh, pre-Columbian Mexico, but uh, La Llorona becomes a thing in all of South America and, and the Caribbean and 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 in, in some cases even uh, Asia as well as Europe. What? Yeah. Um, like the garage? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. I, I, I thought of that when I when I was reading that because of the way they described mm-hmm. describe um, her the, hair. Yeah. Um, so I mean, those are big places, huge continents. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh space there for, for variation. I think
1: another reason almost seems to be that- and i think we'll see this as we go on it becomes a very personal entity of like mm-hmm. of oral tradition of passing it down from family member to family member so it becomes sort of like your own story your own family story can be in like, spliced in with like rona which makes it a really neat aspect that we don't see too often with with these sort of entities um yeah. but how about i'm um, I, I, glanced over it almost the she rides a horse sometimes
2: (laughs) have you ever heard of that (laughs) that is the first time i heard of this is her
1: horse a ghost or immortal wanderer as well
2: (laughs) i was just thinking that if if it is i mean we need more stories about the ghost horse i mean merlin has (laughs) sir rupert
1: you know (laughs) what would her ghost horse name be I mean, Merlin's ghost has been knighted by the name of Sir Rupert. <laughs> I don't know who knighted it, but.
2: <laughs> the ghost queen. Oh, shit.
1: <laughs> Can you think of any possible naming for the
2: her horse? La Llorona would ride a horse, probably a ghost horse, and its name would be. I'm thinking like White Bronco. <laughs> White Bronco is <laughs> the name yeah. But in and Spanish it's like a brown horse <laughs> No yeah. It's a white Bronco And yeah. it's called White Bronco mm-hmm. It's called OJ OJ okay. I'm trying to think of like Something that would go with a horse And all I keep thinking is Because you said horse earlier I keep thinking of a frog in my throat <laughs> You got a horse in your throat <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare
1: is all I can oh, think of. Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that. What's well, what's nightmare in Spanish? It's not that. <laughs> it's not nightmare? <laughs> it wouldn't oh. it wouldn't make the pun work. Oh. Well. <laughs> How about night horse? <laughs> night horse. That sounds like a TV no. show now. <laughs> <laughs> Picture it like solves
2: crimes <laughs> We gotta get the night horse On, this, on the job It, it, it talks it's Mr. Ed style <laughs> check, the, check the shelves <laughs> Check
1: the shelves Why'd you say check the shelves
2: <laughs> That's the first thing that popped like, into your head Was Check the shelves on a, on the first who, thing you think. of. committed with... the murder. <laughs> and the night horse shows up. And everyone's looking <laughs> everywhere. And he's like, there's some shelves there. Nobody's searching in there. Check the shelves. <laughs> God.
1: No one thought to check the shelves. And they're all like, night horse, thank you, is night brilliant? horse.
0: You've done it again.
1: And they feed him, feed him some Oats. <laughs> <laughs> He prances off into the night. (laughs) He, uh, he in the distance.
2: (laughs) Night horse.
1: Another great episode of Night Horse. Does he have a mask? Of course not. (laughs) I was thinking sort of like, um, the Lone Ranger mask. (laughs) Cause you don't want to know Night Horse's, uh, identity. (laughs) Identity. He lives his own Clark Kent style second life.
2: (laughs) Nobody knows who the night horse really is. Uh, What
0: are we talking about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So with so many possibilities, we need to be in tip top shape, Angel. So no more night horse. Oftentimes, I'll ask you maybe what are the top four or five things we need to have A successful hunt of the entity of the week. One thing that we always overlook, among other things, is having enough food to sustain us on our hunts. So, like an abuela, ready to gorge us with so much food that we burst like the Stay puffed Marshmallow Man, I need you to tell me the
2: top five foods we should eat prior
1: to hunting La Llorona.
2: Top five foods, huh? Ooh, this one. This is a tricky one, but I think I got it since you mentioned Abuela and we're talking about La Llorona. I figured we're going to have to go Latino mm-hmm, on this, mm-hmm. get some Latino foods. So for the every, you know, it's, it's for those that aren't Latino or Latinx, if you want to go that route, <clears throat> you you have to uh, you always have a base, right? A base that builds up the the food Profile, and in my case, you know, Colombian, we have what we call a nogao, which is onions, tomatoes, garlic, salt, and pepper, all fried up until it's kind of a saucy uh, um, consistency. Okay. So that'll be food number one. Give us all of our electrolytes and vitamins, and so that's where our base is. That's where our base is. Then. So number two is we need to be able to, we need all the calories we're going to need to hunt this thing. But we also need to have our food to be pretty portable.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So enter the tamal. It's a meal that comes with its own packaging and can also serve as a plate. Damn. Like a yep. banana leaf. Exactly. And, and and it's usually stuffed with whatever the hell you want. Every recipe is always done differently. So as long as you could just fit it in there, you're good to go. I'm just gonna start shoving stuff into it. <laughs> just eat you it. You can some... unwrap. You can unwrap it and find yourself a slice of pizza mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Can you eat the container? Um, if you're if you're um a savage, if your preferences <laughs> are to eat banana leaves, yeah. sure, I guess. I mean, I do that for the gorillas. You're a monster. <laughs> um, it's not gonna kill you. <laughs> That's all I can say.
3: Might if grind your really teeth hurt, down for really hurting <laughs> for some
2: food. You know that could be item number six. <laughs> Banana leaves. <laughs> um. So number three, coconuts. Lots and lots of coconuts. Oh, how are we gonna carry the coconuts? Doesn't matter. <laughs> They're going to be clanging and coconutting on our, on our journey into the woods. <laughs> yeah. We just tie them up to our belt or something. <laughs> just a, So do you put them in a sack or just like, um,
1: are they individually wrapped around like a cord that hangs from your belt? The cord thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. How how, how many is too many coconuts when you're, when they're hanging from your belt?
2: probably five
1: so we need four coconuts each eight coconuts That's... total
2: <laughs> on each on each side of your hip oh,
0: we're going 12 cookies <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> we're, we're gonna be jacked by the end of this because we're carrying so many
1: drink. coconuts and the banana leaves out into the wherever the hell we're going
2: <laughs> I don't even know why we're going <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fourth thing if there's one thing North and South Americans can agree on, it's beans <laughs> gotta have your beans so, that made me think of
1: the, the meme that's out there of the guy in the movie theater <laughs> and he's, he's like eating something and another guy yells
0: out like, this guy's eating beans <laughs> 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 You're just eating
1: beans in a movie theater.
2: <laughs> well, it's a thing. So, What
1: kind of bean? I mean, butter beans? <laughs> Getting the lizard. The lizard Don't man try to be a lizard down. man.
2: You know, I looked up butter bean the other day. You know what it is? It's a lima bean. Oh, is, is it? Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I always think of the boxer whenever I hear butter bean. There's a boxer named Butterbean. <laughs> He's a. Big old, big old white guy. That's uh, He's like, he's a, um, not like a, a true boxer. He's more of like a event boxer where like you watch a big fat white guy fight other people. <laughs> he, he's I in, see. if you've seen, I think Jackass 2, he fights Johnny Noc- Knoxville in a, <laughs> like a China shop or something like that. Like a, oh, <laughs> um, no, oh, I think, yes. no, uh, um, like a sports store. He, they, mm. they yell fight, and Butterbean comes in and <laughs> gives Johnny Knoxville a concussion.
2: <laughs> God, oh man, jackass. Um, yeah, beans. Uh, you know, whichever you like, really, it doesn't matter. A a tri bean blend, maybe even. Okay. <laughs> yes. And let's not forget. I mean, I guess like instead of beans, I, I'll just go out and say legumes in general. <laughs> And then you can include peanuts. Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: shelled or unshelled. Either or. I'm thinking shelled so we could leave a trail so we can get back home.
2: Oh, that's that's a good idea. Speaking of, number five. Speaking of peanuts. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Circus peanuts. Circus peanuts. (laughs) I'm holding here a bag full of them. And I will eat them.
1: By the end of this episode. Gladly.
2: <laughs> uh, you Curiosities out there clearly can't see this, but it says right here, fat-free. I never knew. <laughs> yep. They're fat-free. um, Pure sugar, so it gives us all the energy we need <laughs> yep. to continue this hunt.
1: When we're feeling down, we can't find her, we just pop a circus peanut in and... It's like a senzu serving, bean in Dragon Ball serving Z. Serving
2: size is three pieces, so. Wow, we can
1: each have three circus peanuts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a day.
3: <laughs>
1: and, uh, yeah, that's that's it. Those are the five foods. My gosh. I never would have expected, but every abuela always has a secret ingredient, Angel. For some, it's saffron or paprika or even cayenne peppers. Our metaphorical abuela <laughs> has led a more hardened life, a more labored life. Her hands are so abrasive they feel like your elbows, Angel. Just a fine (laughs) You're bringing them up again? fine uh, sandpaper. In order to give her food, the extra kick, she uses at least three tablespoons, at least three tablespoons full of Cotton Ijo's razor, the axiom that states for La Llorona to have come from somewhere. She must, therefore, go somewhere. So where did the weeping woman come from? Some scholars believe to fully understand the story of La Llorona, we must w- look back to pre-Columbian times in Central America, to the heights of the Aztec Empire In the city of Tenochtitlan, in 1910, the story writer and historian Thomas Henvier wrote, This legend is not as all other legends are of Spanish-Mexican origin. It is wholly Mexican, a direct survival from primitive times. La Llorona is a stray from Aztec mythology, an ancient powerful goddess living on her power for evil lessened. But still potent into modern times. Can you think of any other entities that may have godly origins that we've looked at yet or so far?
2: I can think of one Hogzilla.
1: Oh, I mean, they go way back to the beginning of time. So, yep, ancient war. Anyway, <laughs> and Shakira got dragged into the war. I mean, oh, let's not forget uh, about. I still can't believe that. that. So, is Shakira Nephilim?
2: Well, she hasn't slayed one yet.
1: That we know of.
2: (laughs) You think she's secretly out there? They took her phone. You think she got her phone back? Yes. (laughs) She followed those (laughs) bastards into the woods. (laughs) Barcelona. (laughs) She struck down with with furious (laughs) anger.
1: (laughs) And danced. (laughs) (laughs) Those hips don't lie, Angel. (laughs) She
2: sang a
3: song as she slit the thing's throat.
1: (laughs) Drank the blood. It is believed by some that the entity has links to Chauquadro, also known as the Weeping Spirit, an Aztec goddess who is associated with children. When he first came to the New World in the 1500s, Friar Bernardino de Sagún, Collected stories from natives, including one that stated the demon in the form of a woman walked and appeared by day and by night and was called Chacual. Ate a small boy who was in his cradle. Goddess or not, is there ever an appropriate time to eat a small boy in a cradle, Angel? Only when he's misbehaving. <laughs> You're like, boy, you better calm down or else I'm going to eat you. <laughs> Yo. Mm-hmm. So what's what's the threshold of misbehavior, that warrants an eating?
2: Uh, well, I mean, any misbehavior really, <laughs> as long as you have to give them warnings, though. You can't just outright because <laughs> I mean, yeah. they need to know it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the street three strikes rule mm-hmm. is fitting. <laughs> three strikes,
1: three strikes, and I eat ya.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Of course, the 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 strikes reset every day.
1: Oh, you're a, I uh, uh, can't think of the word, a reasonable God, maybe? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a merciful, that's the word I was looking for. You're a merciful God. <laughs> you let them reset their sins. <laughs> the Library of Congress has one of the earliest literary accounts of Yarona in the form we know it to as today, dating back to 1849 from a poem entitled... <laughs> La Llorona, by Manuel Sarpio, and it reads, Pale with terror, I heard it told when I was a child, an innocent child, that a bad man in my town once did to death his wife, Rosalia. And since then, in the shadowy night, the trembling, frightened people hear the sad whimpering of a suffering woman, whimpering such as she made in her agony. For a certain time, she seizes in her lament but then she breaks out in prolonged weeping, and alone she traverses the streets. She fills everyone with mortal fear, and close by the river in the thick darkness she goes weeping, wrapped in her cloak. Based on this poem, it would seem once the weeping woman comes around, you don't go around looking to help her feel better. It would seem to me that the the death of Rosalia by her husband's hand is what brought La Llorona, to this town. So what do you make of that? Are you in agreement uh, that um, by committing this act of murder, beckoned her to wander into
2: town? I, I guess, I mean, there's not really much information given. It just says that the husband killed her. And she weeps into town. Yeah, and so it's like, why did he kill her? What's, like, was she, is she the we don't know anything about her like is she a vengeful type of person like would she come back or or you know is this just a coincidence that this weeping woman shows up you know mm-hmm. as a, not as her spirit but maybe as the spirit of all wronged women
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think the the way i looked at it was that she did appear almost as a avenge a vengeance entity um mm-hmm. something that is able to punish those who maybe wouldn't necessarily go Unpunished, or maybe would go unpunished, possibly because of like the social structure of the time or of the society or any number of reasons. Appearing due to the unjustified slaying of a woman seems to be a noble cause for an immortal wanderer such as herself to wander into town. But it got me thinking, Angel, what in your opinion would be the top three worst reasons for a vengeance demon to come for vengeance?
2: The top three reasons why the worst top three worst worst
1: reasons for a vengeance demon to commence (laughs) vengeance.
2: Okay. The first worst reason to come back for vengeance is the cancellation of beloved TV sitcom coach. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's top five for me. (laughs) Top five best reasons. Uh, Bring bring hashtag bring back Craig T. Nelson. (laughs)
3: Uh, he needs to keep ass. on coaching. He has so
0: <laughs> so many good words
1: of wisdom for the team and for, uh, what's his bumbling friend's name? Lowell or, uh, no, that guy's an, that guy, the guy in wings.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't remember his name, but it wasn't it like a, a Dick Van Dyke.
1: No, oh, well, he was um, he wasn't Junior? the bumbling one. He was like the, oh. I, I don't know what his role exactly was. <laughs> I guess he was like the. He'd would, he'd would quip he'd throw in some quips about what's going on in in their lives, but then he had like the really really bumbling friend. I mean, but um, that, we don't have this isn't a coach podcast, <laughs> <laughs> not yet at least, not
2: yet.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, second worst reason to come back for vengeance is, you know, when Winifred mispronounced your name during third grade assembly. <sighs> Anyway, and How? 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 Was your... listen, it's just a hypothetical, <laughs> but hypothetically speaking, let's say there's somebody, you know, a Winifred in your class and she gets to do the TV, the morning announcements <laughs> all the time. And then you finally get your chance to shine and she reads your name and she says it completely wrong. And it's like, when I grow old and die, I'm going to come back to haunt you. <laughs>
1: It may not be today It may not be tomorrow <laughs> But by God, Winter Fred, I'm coming for you
2: <laughs> And I gotta make sure she's still alive So <laughs> uh, Or else, I mean,
1: the, the vengeance is for not
2: <laughs> Yeah, so, you know I gotta lead a, a kind of a risky life <laughs> See what, what gets me killed quicker
1: <laughs> By a uh, Seven tons
2: worth of Crying
1: boy paintings Yeah <laughs>
2: Picking up uh, Trillion and One Hobbies.
1: <laughs> Wear just crying boy clothes.
2: <laughs> what an outfit messing that would be. Around, <laughs> messing around with STDs. <laughs> On your pillows?
1: And, On pillows. Of your I mean your composers? I mean, I still don't know why I did that.
2: Trying, trying to... St- to, to become a slumlord I don't even know what happened there Like I don't remember any of this I have a bunch of invoices on my desk About rents And I'm like what is going on here And, I had, and there's like a creepy looking doll In front of me I don't know I, I just left it alone
1: I remember you saying it was your retirement plan So that's I suppose if Winifred is dead And the haunting isn't worth it Or the vengeance isn't worth it You have to have a backup plan
2: <laughs> Well. I need to read wherever I left myself notes about what that backup plan is. (laughs) Anyway, on to the third, and the most, and the most worst. It should have been three, two, one, right? This is number one. Is like, Mm -hmm. but anyway, the the last reason for the worst reason for vengeance is when an unscrupulous district attorney is savagely murdered and tossed out of a building onto his brand new car and comes back as a vengeance ghost controlling his car.
1: But at least he gets to flip over and (laughs) decapitate two guys shooting at him. Uh, Do you know what movie that's called? Did we ever figure it out? Is it Car?
2: The Car. (laughs) Um, The Car Vengeance? (laughs) No, it's... uh... The car, the original car, is like from the '70s, and then the the sequel is the car Road to Revenge. (laughs) Road to
1: Revenge. Of course, it has to have some sort of road pun in its name (laughs) because the audience wouldn't know that it's about a car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I suppose those are three horrible reasons for a vengeance demon, but (laughs) maybe for other people those are the three best reasons. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) over time there seems to be. A mixing of native beliefs and ideas with that of the Spanish that give us the modern day white woman ghost, meaning that she is adorned in all white. So this got me thinking of the Lincoln Death Train, Angel, when it was covered in all black crepe. If La Llorona was on a train or even indeed a train herself, would her train be white?
2: I think it would be covered in white, possibly. White crepe? Yes. Or would it be like spider webs? Hmm.
3: That could be
1: fun. A spider web ghost train?
2: A haunted ghost train on every appears every Halloween, mm-hmm. and then the kids can ride it and experience haunted things. Mm-hmm. In a <laughs> safe manner.
1: <laughs> yes. Or she safe. takes the kids away. <laughs> oh. they, they're never seen again. It's like the hellish version of Polar Express.
2: You mean the the original wasn't hellish?
1: I don't know where the Pole Express goes. I just know it's a train movie set in wintertime. I imagine it goes to the North Pole.
2: It's where Tom Hanks plays everyone.
1: I mean, that's heaven to me, so. (laughs)
2: Am I going to have to start dragging Tom Hanks? I've had a good luck.
1: (laughs) Good luck besmirching his name.
2: Move over, Craig T. Nelson. Tom Hanks, here I come.
1: You got your sights on him now. <laughs> so just like the Lincoln Death Train had some 300 people on it in ghost form, endlessly repeating the journey with the ghost with his ghost corpse every year,
2: who do you think would be on La Girona's
1: train, then?
2: Uh, let's see. If we're going to have to name 300 <laughs> passengers.
1: Would it be the... Uh, <laughs> the actors of 300 just to get past this segment
2: quick (laughs) the movie 300 no um it definitely would include probably children of some sort Mm -hmm. either either her children and um, any children that have gone missing that were attributed to her
1: like wrongfully attributed
2: uh yeah i mean I don't think there's any evidence of any (laughs) misattributing. For rightfully attributing? Yeah. (laughs) Hernan Cortez.
1: Does he have have full Conquistador uh, metal armor (laughs) on? Yes. (laughs) That's the only thing he wears.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have it on good authority and he never took it off. (laughs) He never doffed the armor. Now, him being on the, sh- on the train is is merely because they did try to connect him with La Llorona, with um, his translator mm-hmm. known as La Malinche. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's on that train, in case anybody's wondering. She really got a, a, a raw shake in history. Mm-hmm.
1: Like being seen as a traitor to all of her people for translating. Yeah. But uh, I believe she was like... Sold off as a slave, and she was probably just doing what she <laughs> thought best to, to survive. survive. Yep. yep, yep. And, yep, she just most people did. screwed over in history.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to look back on and cast stones on things like mm-hmm. that. In
1: glass trains, as they all say. <laughs> I think that's what the idiom is, right?
2: Yes, that's the don't, idiom.
1: Don't cast stones in glass trains.
2: <laughs> Are you yanking my chain? <laughs>
1: I had my my, uh, hand around your ankle. I was ready to tug, but I didn't. (laughs) So while there are several variations of the story, they typically tell of a woman married to a rich, well-off man. Their relationship begets children, and then the the troubled times start to hit Angel. From rough patch to rough patch, the rich husband seemingly has better things to do and begins to spend less and less time with his family. Oddly enough, When he is home, he seemingly only pays attention to the children and never to his wife. So, do you think, Angel, just like we saw in the Bloody Mary episode, this woman walked backwards up her steps, looking into a mirror, trying to see who her magnificent husband would be. She sees this rich, well-off man, and she says, Wow, dream come
2: true. Is she now regretting doing that? She... would she... I mean... The mirror is supposed to show her true true love. love. And if this is... The love that she's with is now ending in misery, maybe the mirror... She she misinterpreted what she saw in the mirror or the mirrors are liars. And we know the mirrors aren't liars because if they were liars, I wouldn't be getting these damn invoices. (laughs) The mirror world is truth.
1: It's a reflection of truth. (laughs) So
2: her true love was to be... Not loved. That's sad. Maybe, maybe she saw a person in the mirror, and her true love was the guy standing behind the guy she saw. <laughs> oh no! It was layered. It was a layered
0: <laughs> viewing.
1: Oh, what a bummer! Mm. He was on the other side of the wall <laughs> behind <laughs> that guy. Dang! Yep. It was a, a a trick of the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> So this seems to be setting the stage, Angel. This whole only paying attention to the kids seems so bizarre to me. So to help me understand it, I need a hypothetical scenario where the rich husband came home and didn't pay attention to his wife. Like, does he just not talk to her? Does he just actively ignore her when she's trying to ask him questions and he acts like she's invisible? How does this whole thing go down in your mind where he just does not speak to her any longer and they live together.
2: Well in order to understand this, I think we need to go a little backstory behind the husband. Right. He um he's just he was just looking for a fling. And I he married her. And he he well, you know, back in those days, she finds out she's pregnant and he's like, I'm gonna have to do the honorable thing yeah. and marry her. And he says, She saw me in a mirror. I gotta do this. Yeah. I gotta I gotta honor the mirror. <laughs> and so they get married but you know how these things go he's like uh, she, all she does is talk and I'm not really interested in anything she has to say I'm this <laughs> white dude with freckles and she, you know, I can have meet all the kind of women I, need, I want so he's you know he goes off <laughs> he's a player he's a player <laughs> with those freckles exactly he's singing songs about how he's a, a chile verde to all these other women <laughs> I love migraine chili. <laughs> and, but, you know, if we we can say a bunch of stuff about him, but what we can't say is that he hates children. <laughs> Those children that his woman gave him, he dotes <laughs> on them. He comes home and that's the all he wants to deal with. She's talking to him. He's like, no, I just, he just grumbles at her. He's like, I just want to, you know, I want to talk to my kids. You know, I'm going to raise them to be, to be you know, upstanding citizens. And you know, gotta meet my my woman on the side, or however many women he has on the side. I don't have time for for this for my wife. Oh God! Even the term just <laughs> makes me want to. You know that that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm.
1: I, as you're saying all that, the first thing that popped in my mind was that remember exactly what country she was from, but the Asian woman that didn't sleep any longer, and, mm-hmm. but she would sleep when her husband would talk to her. <laughs> yeah like reverse the role of that he slept with his eyes open man that was a crazy
2: story a good thing my wife doesn't know about this rare condition where i just fall asleep with my eyes oh, open. what was that called it was like n- no sleep
0: uh disease or something it was so like
1: basically yeah named for oh, my gosh So as is expected by how he was treating her, the husband then becomes unfaithful and is eventually caught with his new lover by the wife. In a moment of rage or insanity, the woman supposedly drowns her children. Once the children are dead and she realizes exactly what she has done, she cries out, Oh, my children, in a fit of despair. With her mind shattered from the realization that she has now killed her children, Some variations in the story tell that she then drowns herself, this act of killing her children, then restricts her from continuing on in the afterlife and leaves her as a wandering, crying woman. So generally, she can be found near water, still dressed in her funeral gown, weeping and searching for her children. So this leaves me with some takeaways, Angel as the implication for, of her action what seemed to indicate that it was the sinful act of murdering her children that made her what she is now. However, there certainly could be other things that were the catalyst, say unbearable grief that she was feeling. This could be like some sort of punishment that she set upon herself to forever feel that guilt that she was feeling. So what do you think of that possibility? Do you think it's the act of what she did, or was this punishment upon herself or something else?
2: Yeah. I think I, you know, I've, you always, I mean, I always hear, uh, like in TV shows where there's a haunting or some sort of spirit. It's Usually some, some strong emotion that's keeping them tethered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't doubt that it could be her grief that that's not letting her move on. I don't think the actual act of is her what children. did it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's something more than that. That's keeping her chained to this world. Are there any other ideas of uh, you have of what could have been the catalyst that kept this woman in our reality past her death?
2: Well, in some cultures, I mean, at least I'm thinking of, you know, Catholicism. You know, suicide is like the mm-hmm. highest, mm-hmm. the highest sin you can commit, the, the most mortal sin. And I think maybe it was her act of killing herself that was that place during this situation and not the fact that she mm-hmm. killed the children. Because, you know, back then people killed their children for many reasons, uh, various reasons. No. <laughs> and ate them <laughs> in the crib for
1: misbehaving. <laughs> yep. So this gives us all an idea of where the Weeping Woman came from, then exactly where did she go? This is one of those rare ones that we have, Angel, that she is just still as ever-present as she has ever been. Those those damn tear ducts must be running dry by now, I think, with for the, how long she has been crying for some ungodly reason, unbeknownst to me. The first thing that I thought of was the first... Ron Perlman version of Hellboy, where there is that German super assassin who has like the gear cranks in his chest in his suit, and then when he dies, he is just full of dust. At this point, that's how I picture La Llorona as just full of dust from all the weeping that she has done. But this also got me thinking: sometimes there are items out there from these entities that can be used for potions or are seen as valuable. If you were, were able to bottle the Weeping Woman's tears, what do you think you could actually do with them?
2: First of all, according to one book I was looking at, a botanist from the 19th century had bottled her tears and had them crystallized, whatever that of means. Of course, the
1: 1800s. <laughs> and he survived um, the encounter? I don't know. I mean, how does that go down, first of all? <laughs> like, so La Llorona is coming towards you, you have your tear bottle like
2: you... i i am, this is this is for me you know i'm always grounded in reality so this is what i believe really happened this guy's out on his own so nobody can verify what's going did, on did he have the five food items
1: needed he to hunt the him?
2: Five, he had the five food items uh, maybe not circus peanuts <laughs> in their in the current uh, mm-hmm. form but some form of marshmallow <laughs> <laughs> he had his little container. He was, you know, there. One of the reasons that the yorona came about is because people would tell their kids don't go out to um, bodies of water, rivers, lakes at night. It's funny because I find a, a lot of these people, you know, a lot of the writings that mention it, is always somebody asking like, "Why would this be the case?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? Why would this be the case?" At night, you're you're gonna go near body water. You're gonna fall in and drown. That's the obvious reason. Like, mm-hmm. come on, it makes sense to tell them don't go out at night and it's especially near lakes. Like, anyway, so I imagine this guy, he's by a river or a lake or something at night. He just gets some water from there, closes the the, the tap, the little um the vial. And then goes running back to his friends and says, I got the tears of La Yorona. <laughs> it's, just, it's just lake water. Oh, lake man, water. That, that bastard. <laughs> it's just lake water.
1: <sighs> Something you said um, made me think Have you ever roasted a circus peanut? No. Never thought about <laughs> that. It's a marshmallow. You could just roast, you could have roasted circus peanuts. I can. I'm going to do that right now. (laughs) We're going to pause. (laughs) So you can start your stove burner and roast it. (laughs) What do you think the the tears could be used for, though?
2: I would want to create um, a potion in which I can gain temporarily the powers of La Llorona. Why would you, of tem- temporary immor- immortal wandering? <laughs> temporary immortal wandering and crying.
1: <laughs> I just want to endlessly cry. <laughs> Thing that I thought of was Ghostbusters 2, which is now apparently this season's Jurassic Park, and <laughs> <laughs> when they put the the pink ooze stuff in like a toaster. And the toaster Mm -hmm. starts dancing when they play music. I just picture that her tears are like ectoplasm that power inanimate objects. So potentially we could move the Statue of Liberty with her tears. Yes. Potentially. How much do you think the tears would be worth? Because I think back to the... Dingonic episode where they were talking about the pelt of the animal would be worth like ten thousand dollars or something like that.
2: Ten could you put dollars. Could you
1: put a monetary amount on the tears of the weeping woman? Because supply and demand, they're endless. It's just a matter of getting them.
2: I'll tell you, right now. How much?
1: Do you, do really you have worth. a algorithm formula for
2: the (laughs) calculations (laughs) of tears not an algorithm one liter a liter of tears a liter of tears would run you up two hundred and seventy two dollars of her tears or just tears in general (laughs) well you see the thing is there's a tequila called tears of Llorona (laughs) that much money for a liter of it? Yup. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. The the website's like very like, oh, mysterious. Get the tears of Yoruna and all this craziness. Like, why is it so secretive? My gosh. A shot of that would cost like 30 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's quite an expensive, uh, I mean... You're getting the tears of Yorona, so that makes sense.
1: I wonder what it tastes like.
2: Heaven. <laughs> it tastes uh, like sadness. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the main page, it says, small batch private stock never meant to be sold. But they're selling it? I guess. <laughs> I don't know if they're talking about a specific type that they're making. Extra Añejo, maybe? I don't Why know. Why would they ever... Advertise if it. It's not meant to be sold. They're just uh <laughs> gaslighting <Trying> us. <laughs> yeah, yeah trying to raise up the the, the air of mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the tasting notes listed, <laughs> it says master distiller Herman Gonzalez Gorochotegui suggests a wide glass that allows <laughs> tears to open up. Don't rush into it. Let it breathe. Swirl it. In the glass. And do choose your glassware carefully because this is an experience for all five senses. The deep amber, the lingering nose, the feel of the legs on the glass. Don't be yanking my leg. (laughs) (laughs) The conversation that ensues. And of course, the unforgettable taste, which is agave with a heady spiciness and complexity for experienced palates. I mean, a huge marketing
1: oversight to mention the sixth sense to then, after you drink it, you see La Yorona.
3: You see <laughs> La <laughs> Yerona. <laughs> yep.
1: Mm, boy, get me on that marketing team. They By could way, sell it for sponsor. $700 a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I found one telling of uh, of a Yerona story, which states she has been weeping since at least the year 1000. The story said that she has wept continuously for almost nine centuries. Because because of this, her face is marked by two scars which continuously run no longer with tears, but with blood flowing from her eyes. I mean, you cried for so long, the tears have literally scarred your face and now flow blood. Regardless of the tragedy involved potentially killing her children that shit is metal so here's a question for you angel if she bleeds from her eyes is she not alive
2: uh the true question if it bleeds (laughs) is it living
1: i mean i ask myself that question every day
2: (laughs) i suppose you could make an argument that she is living but if she's been around for thousands of years, does that mean that she's just hard to kill? Or, or she just lives a long time? She just Im- immortal. Immortal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> An immortal wanderer, mm-hmm.
1: maybe. But yeah. yeah. That would yeah. make her, in my book, a, a live woman. I don't know. Would that make her semi-immortal?
2: Or just fully immortal? Is she Because pig? She she pig, she's still she pig p- people? <laughs> She she lives forever, but she still bleeds. Well, so that would an immortal not still bleed? Well, I mean, I mean, she's bleeding con- continuously, right? She's always crying, she's losing all this blood, but she's still. I mean, is she making enough I was gonna blood? Say, to say, yeah, replace she, that she blood has to be
1: ahead of the blood loss and constantly be so making more than she's losing. So she's an evolved form. How oh, how much is too much to lose? I, is it pouring out of her face like a faucet or is it just dripping
2: what's scarier <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i
1: maybe suppose the, the faucet would be no that would be comedic if
3: <laughs> maybe
2: maybe it's dripping but like when you try to get closer to her it just starts pouring out more <laughs>
1: So the story continues. Her hair, which has not been cut since she committed the gruesome crime, wraps around her head and covers her face, forming a thick and woolly forest of locks, and her nails, more than an inch long, help her search by raking through the dirty and muddy waters of the streams and ditches of the towns. Again, badass. But (laughs) I can't let this go unchecked, Angel. Her hair... Has never been cut. This implies to me that other entities that we have looked at have their hair cut, or else there'd never be a reason to mention this. Also, hair growth again means that she is still alive in my book, but to my greater point, it has so it has never been cut. Normal hair growth is six inches a year, Angel. This particular story said she has been around for now 1,000 years. She wraps her hair around her head. If it has never been cut in that time, she has roughly 6,000 inches of hair, Angel. That's 500 feet, almost 167 yards. That's over a football field and a half of hair she has wrapped around her head, potentially. And I know you know where I'm going with this, that is about 72 Shaquille O'Neal's on top of each other's (laughs) shoulders. At this point, you can't comb 500 feet of hair. Would it not be dreaded and form some sort of bizarre helmet around her head at this point?
2: Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) Helmet. I mean, it's wrapped around, right? The story says.
1: Like some... Like... In Spaceballs, with Rick, Rick Moranis's character,
2: <laughs> the huge helmet. Isn't uh, but isn't the princess's hair like wrapped around, like it's really long? <laughs> why, why would her hair
1: keep growing? Because she's alive. But why, Maybe. why wouldn't she cut it? Is there some sort of rule that says she can't cut her hair? Has what? she been Rapunzel?
2: What you mentioned it earlier, the, like who's cutting these other creatures' uh, hair?
1: <laughs> the same dude that's tailoring uh, um, Slenderman's suits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's there's a lucrative business with uh, dealing with the cryptids. She
1: just can't walk into, uh, I don't know, your local cheap haircut salon and say, "I need it cut. I need I need five hundred inches cut off my my
2: head." How is she going to pay for it? I was just thinking, what would she pay? But what if she wants her hair to to be long? It would get caught in doors. and. <laughs> but I don't think we have stories of her hair getting <laughs> caught in. Can you imagine this entity is approaching you and then she just gets stuck in the doorway. Ah, my hair! <laughs> that, is she like Samson? That's her weakness? <laughs> the opposite of Samson. <laughs> <laughs> The longer her hair, the, the more weak she becomes. <laughs> Just cut it off. <laughs>
1: it seems overall the story of La Llorona can be used as a warning to men to remain faithful, or even as a tool for parents to tell their children to behave. So really, she has she she ends up being a ultimate behavior tool for any situation. I suppose ultimately the negative version of Santa Claus. <laughs>
2: There's always a negative Santa.
1: Anything else that you wanted to add before we get into the rubric of uh, hour?
2: An interesting thing I, I noticed was the way they portray La Llorona, and as you said, some sort of cautionary tale that's used. I mean, I guess she's not really specifically crying, but it's implied with her one of her names, the Virgin Mary, also known as the the Lady of Sorrow or Mother, 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 what's Mater Dolores or something like that, the the Latin term for it, Mater Dolorosa. So, yeah, Lady of Sorrows. And there's a a lot of uh, Renaissance artists have painted her, you know, and depicted her in some sort of, like, sorrowful state, you know, to imply that she's been crying or...
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And with the
1: mass spread of Catholicism through... Latin America can certainly see the influence of that mm-hmm. upon upon their own stories to make it even, even yeah. a more meaningful story for the contemporaries of that time. That's all
2: I have to say about that. <laughs> Not trying to imply anything here. Not saying like Llorona is the Virgin Mary <laughs> or anything like that. Yes, it's uh, interesting. She's weeping over her lost son, Jesus, her her dead son. <laughs> Are you saying... Mary... Mary <laughs> drowned? Virgin <laughs> she Mary. drowned? Her, Jesus Christ? <laughs> her name is the Virgin Mary. And yet, the name of the Yorona and the Mexican folktales have been attributed to as this woman that used to be named Maria. I'm not saying <laughs> nothing, though. I'm not saying anything. It's <laughs> not yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> anything at, more to add to that. <laughs> in my research my research for la llorona i found a book called la llorona or retelling uh, retelling a mexican legend and it's it's written it's like a children's book but it's written in play format with multiple scenes and characters and i think it would be a disservice to all of our curiosities if we don't act out one of those scenes so yeah, we're going to be starting in scene 2. The char- the main character's name is David. And he's te- he's the one telling us the story that of when he experienced uh La Llorona when he was younger. And the, all the I think all the the only characters in this scene are David, older David, which is the David we know, younger David, which is when he was younger, and La Llorona herself. Mhm. And I think we agreed that I would be La Llorona. Now, I will
1: play both Davids, older David, younger David. And again, this is scene two of La Llorona retelling a Mexican legend. Older David starts off.
3: The next thing I knew, Aye.
0: a terrible outcry pierced the night. Aye. I was wide awake in an instant. I. Younger David. What's that? An animal? A coyote, maybe? I! I jumped out of bed, ran to the window, and threw it open. Oh, it's my part. <laughs> it's not raining anymore. Not a cloud in the sky, and what a bright full moon! <laughs> I've never seen the moon that big before.
1: I was a city boy and I'd never, <laughs> what a line. I was a city boy and I'd never heard I coyote, but
0: <laughs> that doesn't sound like an animal.
1: <laughs> oh, it's my turn again. No, it actually, so- it actually, <clears throat> no, it actually sounded
0: <laughs> human. it's in front of the house
1: (laughs) my lines keep coming (laughs) I slipped out of the bedroom and made my way to the patio its stone floor was spotted with puddles of water I tried to step around them as I dashed towards the front foyer but my bare feet got wet anyway at last I stood at the door loud scratching sounds
3: are
0: heard S- something is scratching the, the door. It-, it must be an animal.
1: <laughs> but then came that voice again. More quietly now, it was calling out, My children, my children.
0: Misihos, mis A woman looking for her children. Ay!
1: Scratching again is heard now. H- who are you? Help me, please, she cried.
2: Ayúdame, por
1: favor. I was terrified, but my heart was full of pity. I tugged and pulled at the long steel bolt that held the wooden door shut. I opened the door slowly and peeked out, but I saw no one. I called out in Spanish. I called out the Spanish word, Mrs. or Ma'am.
0: Oh, it's me again, Senora.
1: <laughs> I, t- <laughs> I took a few steps outside.
0: Where are you? <laughs> Why do I have so many lines?
1: <laughs> I turned. A, I turned slowly around. The moonlight cast an eerie greenish light. It glowed across the across the flat scrubby landscape of the mountain plateau.
0: Nobody's here.
1: When the hell do your lines come up? my God? <laughs> I turned to go back in the house. That's when I saw the deep, long scratches along the wooden door.
0: Claw marks? Was it some kind, Was it some kind of animal after all? Was it a beast instead of a human?
1: Behind. (laughs) (laughs) Behind me, I heard, as if in reply.
2: Bestia,
1: umano. I turned and saw her and gasped.
0: Where did you come from?
1: For really, there was no place she could have come from, not on that brightly moonlit plain. She had appeared out of nowhere. Who are you? Her thick, black hair hung down to her ankles. Her hair was tangled up with twigs and briars. Her long, white gown was badly torn and faded. Large patches of it were stained and caked with dry brown mud. Or was it blood? A lacy white veil hung over her face.
0: May I... see your face?
1: She began to sob. (laughs) No. (gasps) Instead of lifting her veil, she reached toward me. She lifted her hands in a pleading motion. Those dull, colored, bony hands had frightfully overgrown nails.
2: Mis niños... My children, where I my children? You speak English?
1: Her sobbing was interrupted
0: by a bitter laugh.
2: <laughs> I do not speak at all. You hear me only with your heart.
0: I, I don't know what your children are.
2: You do. You made friends with them. You've been playing with them. You are helping them hide from me. You are very naughty. I don't,
0: I don't know them. She
1: said nothing for quite a while. I, I, I couldn't breathe from fear. Although I, although I couldn't see her eyes, I could feel them staring at me. They were staring into me to see if I was lying or telling the truth. Then at last...
2: No, you
1: don't know them. I could breathe again.
0: I... I'm, I'm sorry you've lost them.
1: I thought surely she'd go away then.
0: I hope you can find them.
1: But she didn't move or speak at last. Will you help me? How? Will you come looking with me my breath caught again my lips shaped the word no but only a hollow gasp escaped my throat then she turned and began to walk along the road away from the house and my own feet began to to move following her
0: senora
1: She had me under some kind of spell.
0: I don't want to go with you.
1: I couldn't keep, I couldn't help following her.
0: Please. And (laughs) see. What happens? You'll have to buy the book to find out.
2: (laughs) What a riveting performance by the both of us, if I should say so myself. Mm Mm-hmm. I believed you were older and younger, David. At this point,
1: in retrospect, you should have played younger and older with your uh, voices of an angel hobby <laughs> <laughs> of acting as younger children. That was a uh, a major
2: flub in our in our side. Well, it's because this was part of your audition to uh, <laughs> become join a voice of an angel. <laughs> my company. <laughs> For a low fee of $300 (laughs) a month,
1: I can be a voice of an angel too. (laughs) A finder's fee. (laughs) So, why don't we do it? Why don't we jump into the rubric of power? How
2: about the powers of La Llorona? All right. So, right off the bat, I wrote down, presumably you understand Spanish. Just like the from Chupo the story, <laughs> from the story, she also understands English. She, she understands, yeah. She, but she's not actually speaking. She's speaking to your heart, or, or whatever is that, it was. Is that an idiom?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm always saying, I'm speaking to your heart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the what, one of the books that I found actually has her powers listed.
3: What? <laughs> surprisingly, <That's convenient.
2: laughs> yeah, surprisingly, not um, it's not unlike that website that also lists um, cryptic <laughs> powers. Um, but I also find a website that said that, so I'm gonna compare the powers, Let's see what we got. Yeah, um, so the book says that she clearly her her crying is, is a power. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But her 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 cries are so um, powerful that they produce goosebumps to anyone who hears them. <laughs> Is that a bad thing? I mean, I, I you get goosebumps from just thinking. <laughs> well, they also uh, the the her cries will also bring you misfortune, and <laughs> does she have
1: also... the power of a broken mirror?
2: Maybe maybe and also threats i I don't know how what that means just threats (laughs) she has the power of threatening i i guess i (laughs) the i couldn't really translate it that well because it it literally says transmit threats so i don't i don't know what that means (laughs) like if she's threatening them or i don't know (laughs) and (laughs) so she typically she according to the book she scares and terrorizes drunkards, adulterers, irresponsible <laughs> parents, anyone that harms the environment. She's an environmentalist? Yes. I didn't get that from her story. No. That must be a, a new addition. This, this, is, this is the evolution of La Llorona. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the you website... Spill some oil? La Llorona's coming for you. Your coal mine collapses? <laughs> She's coming. <laughs> She's coming. and and, she, and, the, and the worst she could do is bring you misfortune or possibly oh, she's threats. she's going to threaten you. you know? <laughs> threats. And she's then you could transmit get some threats.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like oh I got goosebumps she's around. <laughs> Is that scratching? Is that an animal?
2: <laughs> or a coyote? It sounds human.
0: <laughs> Mrs. or ma'am? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so the website lists her powers as um, being able to manipulate water and lure what? anyone to a waterbender? Her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from that play, we, we can acknowledge that she can lure people and, and yep, kind of
1: hypnotize t- them. David could not <laughs> uh, not follow her. He had to. He was compelled. Did she yeah. threaten him? I, I didn't get that subcontext, but possible.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe there's like a, a hidden threat underneath that. I
1: mean, she's speaking to his heart. That's not all verbally explained in a play (laughs) which I would imagine would be a bad play at that point but (laughs) what
2: what can you do? It says if you are to hear her cries you must run away or else she'll catch you and drown you especially if you're a child so she has a predilection to attack children. Is there an age
1: where you could age out? Like if she's chasing you and it becomes your 18th birthday
2: <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> just just hold down till, till the sun comes up and she'll <laughs> stop chasing you <laughs> it, it it's it's said that if she mistakes you for one of her own and realizes that you in fact aren't you'll, re- you'll receive the same fate i guess
1: <laughs> i mean that's everybody
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> her cries are to make you feel uneasy and she can easily use that to her advantage she's manipulative and cunning so there's a lot of things going on here. You know, she's cunning, she's manipulative, but she's also an environmentalist and only attacks drunkards and, and adulter. So there's. I mean, is, are those bad things? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing, right? One of them is like, and children, te- <laughs> one of them is you telling these stories to prevent people, uh, like what you said, um, to cautionary tales. But then the other stories are like, she's attacking children. It's almost like Baba Yaga level of of lore here, where it's Mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, she could be good, she could be bad. Or even Bloody Mary, really, where sometimes she appears and helps out those who summon her. Do you think she has that pig sled like Baba Yaga?
1: (laughs) She rides a horse, doesn't she? (laughs) Yeah, Baba Yaga had a special horse. I don't remember its name. But
2: yeah, it had its own little thing. It had, she had her own horse lore too. <laughs> Is Baba Yaga and La Llorona the same? <laughs> Does she have a house to go on the
1: them? Who Knows More Cryptid Horse Lore tour? <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever see the movie Annihilation with Natalie Portman? Yes, with the crying bear. Could there was a crying bear? <laughs> you know, am Oh my god so the whole point to see the movie is the crying bear i i remember a beast i don't remember
2: it crying
1: so spoiler alert if you have not seen annihilation you can fast forward about 30 seconds from now so and there is a scene where she is in a like house um with all these like the uh, the flora people outside standing there and she goes inside and she because she hears crying and inside the house she's like sitting down and the crying gets closer and closer and closer and inside walks a freaking bear that has like a hole in its throat and it just makes this crying noise like a a human
2: being crying oh man i completely missed that
3: <laughs>
2: what <laughs> i i just remember the them being like harassed and attacked by this thing but I don't remember it, the crying part. Oh, my God. I it, completely blanked out on that. I must have. Maybe it was my doppelganger. I ran into it. That him. saw the movie? Yeah. <laughs> and you my, fought it? My my AD self. Yeah. Uh So, oh, yeah. Anything else for powers? Uh, That's what I got. I gave it a two because, I mean, it's like, it's adequate. It's, mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm crazy she 100 has the
1: power to kidnap apparently and she just loves to just snatch up kids and she doesn't <laughs> need, need candy to do it she doesn't need circus peanuts to get you in her van
2: or or, or, or a van
1: mm-hmm. it is it's said that her weeping i i saw is an omen of death so almost like a, a banshee in that aspect So just the sound of her tells you that you are going to die. She seems to be able to teleport to different locations, which is handy, either like behind you or whatever. Uh, I think, I don't think you pointed this out, she has endless endurance. I mean, she has been walking for a thousand years, according to that one story. Mm
3: -hmm. And And crying.
1: And let let alone weeping? Crying takes a lot of energy to -hmm. do. Now, do that non-stop for 1,000 years? <laughs> she has an amazing constitution or fortitude in this woman. My my <laughs> God. So I gave her a, a 3 above average. How about the detectability of La Yorona?
2: So once again, I've settled in adequate. A 2. Mainly because... I she doesn't try to hide herself i mean yeah the more people see her the more she's likely to get what she wants which is yeah more she's children. not
1: it's not <laughs> like she's being stealthy or yeah yeah subversive in any sort like she uh, announces her presence
2: <laughs> yeah you you'll hear her before you see her
1: um <laughs> david just walked outside to investigate <laughs> what the hell are you doing david <laughs>
2: Look, there's an animal outside Let me go open the door He even says is it a coyote let me go check <laughs> No David don't
3: do that
0: Where are your parents
2: Their parents in, in scene one they, stri- they specifically tell him don't go out at night What does he do in scene two He, he goes, goes out, out at night <laughs> Looking for crying noises and coyotes
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean David I think you deserved it <laughs>
2: uh yeah and the reason i didn't give her a 1 is because at the same time it's not like it's not like she's available for anyone to come up and and watch right it's only when you hear her crying that she you can detect her essentially
1: yeah does anyone like sneak up on her i picture like um left for dead with the witch where she's just mm-hmm. crying in a basement or some crap
2: like I mean, if you could sneak up on her, that that'd make her. Like, I'd have to take down a, a PowerPoint <laughs> for that. Can she stop? Or is she always in motion? Is she? She's never in one location. Yeah.
1: At that point, Angel, is she a a train?
2: <laughs> is she always in locomotion? <laughs> in locomotion? Yes. <laughs> so, what'd you give her for detectability? Uh, two. Mm, you would. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So uh, this, in my opinion, is one of her weaker points. As as you mentioned, she typically alerts you of her presence. Um, So I suppose if you just avoided every crying woman you ever heard, she can't get you. Yeah. Uh, so I give her a one. <laughs> how about how, then? The...
2: How, how easy is it to avoid a, a crying woman, though? You run away. You hear someone weeping, you run away. But what if it's one of those situations where you're running away, (laughs) but then you hear the, the crying? You hear the crying get louder, and you're like, wait, what's going on? So then you go the other direction, and then it still gets louder, and you're like, oh no, she's everywhere. So, how about this? Does it require you to
1: hear her to become a victim? Like, what if you are deaf? Can she, are the rules allowed that
2: she can still attack you? I don't think so because, as is firmly established in the movie Bird Box, if you just <laughs> stay blind, you never get
3: affected. But by what the if thing. you're
2: what if you're a deaf adulterer? <laughs> are you are you outside of her power? Uh, I I think we're gonna have to ask the deaf people <laughs> if they've ever had an encounter with La Jorona
1: <laughs> because they've ever been an, an adulterer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been no, killed? I would, I would have, you, go- have you been killed by a <laughs> have weeping <you> woman? <laughs> have you ever cheated on your partner? <laughs> Does she have to sign towards you?
2: <laughs> How do you sign crying? Well, there, there has to be
1: and the uh, the concept of the emotion. I think it's, I think it's obvious yeah. if you mm-hmm. just
2: see them crying. Maybe maybe they just in this case <laughs> for a deaf person she'll just appear before them. Like oh. you can't escape that.
1: This like woman with bloody eyes appears in front of yeah. you. <laughs> My God, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, we're going to the lore. I don't think we ever got into it. <laughs> so how about then the lore of La Irona?
2: Wait, did you give your detectability? Oh, one. Yeah, oh, we yeah, gave a one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, lore. I, d- I don't oh. remember
1: how we got in a little tangent. But it's...
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, lore. This just shot up straight for like th- this. There's so much going on here. There there's a whole book, and not the 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 retelling, but there's a whole book that just goes on in, into the the history behind the La Llorona, the pre-Columbian history, the mixing of the Spaniard uh, the the Spanish and the Aztec stories. Um, The fact that the Europeans have their own version of La Llorona Mm -hmm. that was different from what was in the Mexico. And then I have it on good authority that if you approach any Latin American person or, or somebody from that area and just ask them. What is your take on La Llorona? They'll tell you a story. Either it happened to them or one of their friends or something.
1: Like a friend's friend or an yeah. uncle has encountered this creature.
2: Yeah, and then they'll, they'll tell you their version of what happened. So you'll always get something.
1: So do you think in that aspect it's more than the
2: Chupacabra? I think so, only because it's been around longer. Mm-hmm. I think the Chupacabra needs more time. And I don't think it's... I I think La Llorona is more... Uh, universal in a sense simply because it's it's a it's a human right it's a a woman whereas Mm -hmm. you know creatures there's plenty of creature cryptids right people see things all the time and they say oh it must have been and then just name some creature yeah and she's
1: more like the emotion of the of the being too that's the the main concept yeah There, The way I looked at it, there are just so many variations of the story out there, like you said. And One I saw was that the reason that she wanders the world is that after she died, she went to the gates of heaven and was rejected there. She was told that she could only enter heaven if she had her children by her side. So now she endlessly walks the earth looking for her children, thus kidnapping children, thinking that they are her own. There is also a whole lot going on here that relates to colonialism and gender roles and morals that go way deeper than where the scope of our show is meant to, Uh, which I think there's really cool concepts related to that aspect of the entity. Yeah. There is a whole lot going on more than just a woman who supposedly killed her children and it's all very interesting so I gave it a, a, a four. But I do want to ask, before we get on to the intelligence, being of a certain descent of peoples, have uh, have you ever heard any La Hurona stories, either from your family or just in general?
2: The last time I was in Colombia, it was probably the first time I heard it. Uh, I have no idea. Every time I've been in Colombia, my mom takes me to some place, some friend of theirs, <laughs> and there's always kids around, so I'm always surrounded by people I don't know. So in this instance, there was some bunch of kids there, some uh, boys and girls, and the way the the buildings are set up, it's like you can somehow, at least in this place, it was like a there are stairs, and then you can walk out onto the roofs, and you can essentially walk on other roofs of the houses. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> so so we were just like on the roof, and it was uh. It was kind of like at uh, dawn, so the sun was, or dusk, whichever, when the sun is going down. <laughs> dusk. Dusk. Yeah, so, so it was like the sun was starting to go down. It was getting dark, and, and then I don't know what happened. That they, they, they were talking about, like, scary stories, and one uh-huh. of the boys, uh, I was like, I love that <laughs> stuff, so I was like, ooh, you guys know something? Tell me, tell me. And I think the boy started telling me about La Llorona, and he told me, like, it was the ba- the most basic story of you know this woman, I don't even remember what it was if it was she killed her kids or her kids drowned but whatever it was that she lost her kids in, and then she comes out crying all the time for her children to appear and then I don't know if he added any any part of where, if the if she snatches you or not but that was it was like the most basic version of the story, and I was like that's cool we're going inside now. <laughs>
1: It's uh, instead of scary stories to tell in the dark. It's scary stories to tell at dusk.
2: I think like, dusk is scarier than <laughs> dark. Colombian
1: version. Dusk <laughs> till dawn. <laughs> yep. So, did you ever get a sense that he believed it, or it was just a story to tell?
2: Uh, I feel. I, I mean, this was many years ago, so I don't. I can't. I don't even remember his face, but I feel as if. He maybe was trying to be like, he was like, he was like an, a little bit older than me. I don't know how much older, but he was like one of the older kids. So I I think he was like trying to play it cool. Like, yeah, I'm going to scare the younger boy or whatever. But at the same time, I think he also kind of believed it.
3: Because mm-hmm.
2: I think we went inside because he was like, like kind of scaring <laughs> himself. himself out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, we're going to go inside now. <laughs> how old How old were you? Let's see. I must have been 12.
1: Oh, oh, so it was a long time ago. Yeah. So then, why don't we look at the cunning and intelligence of the Weeping Woman?
2: I've broken my rule many times <laughs> in the past. Is, is it really a rule at this point anymore? It's no longer a rule. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming out and officially saying that I cannot abide by this rule anymore. And that rule is, that if it's a human or humanoid type, that it gets an automatic mm-hmm. four. Um, but just the behavior of la llorona to me it's like she just doesn't exhibit any kind of i mean yeah she can lure the children in and 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 essentially and kidnaps them and all that but there's no rhyme or reason she's wandering she's not in the same location she just moves on it's almost like an animal with one human motivation
1: mhm i but guess even- the, but even at that point, it seems almost uh, animals could have that emotion too of wanting to find, yeah, like, a bear trying to find its cubs or something, and and animals can be sad as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from the play we read, she can speak English and Spanish. So, but can she? But, she spoke to the heart. To, to the heart. <laughs> so that's a that's a, a power that she has that an animal has.
1: And at that point, it's really like. Is that telekinesis? No, that's being able to pick up something. It's um what it's telepathic. Is it? Telepathic, yeah. She's basically a telepathic being. So yeah. she would have to understand the language to be able to
2: to speak it. And typically telepaths are portrayed as having some sort of brain power. Like super intelligence. Smell. Yeah.
1: Or to the point where their intelligence is so large it like hinders their body. <laughs> yeah.
2: But she's clearly not hindered because she can she's endlessly she, walk. <laughs> yes <laughs> locomotive
1: <laughs> she's just chugga a chugging along is she is she on a railroad track
2: <laughs> so yeah i i was kind of back and forth about this but i settled on a
1: 2.5 i was going to say this may be controversial to borrow a <laughs>
2: phrase but
1: it doesn't sound like it was that controversial in the end because all the evidence I looked at made La Hirona more of a person than ghost, with like the endless bleeding and all that. It made her more human than a specter, but with that being said, she never had any greater plan. Like she was she looking for her kids? Is that how you look for your kids? You you just wander from place to place like kidnapping people? And then She's like she wanders and it's like oh here here are my kids let me take them, but they aren't her kids. Like she made the same mistake like seemingly a thousand times. <laughs> At that point, frankly, that's unacceptable to to make that mistake that many times. So I gave her a uh, I ended up like the human versus the just like you, the stupidity of it all like a <laughs> two. She landed on a two for intelligence. Yeah. Then how about the impact on popular culture?
2: The popular culture is interesting because uh, as far as I can tell, like, you don't know, it's always been just an urban legend or some tale that you tell mm-hmm. it's orally passed on. And yeah, it's, there's been books written down about it, but it's one of those that, you know, most people in North America don't know about it. I read on the internet that it's common in Southwest mm-hmm. America. Yeah, honestly, it's,
1: it's yeah, closer to the border area.
2: Yeah. There's, like, everyone knows Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. La Llorona is not as well known. And it wasn't until they came out with The Curse of La Llorona, which is part of the Conjuring universe. That I, still, I, think- I, mean, I
1: still want to know how they pulled that off. I have not seen the movie. <laughs>
2: I neither have. I haven't even seen The Conjuring. <laughs> it gets a lot of hype. It's it's, eh, <laughs> and yeah. So that movie m- might have like put her on the map, but she st- 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 still hasn't like reached like worldwide status. Like oh my god, like you uh, know, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. I had it on uh, adequate, and then the movie bumped it up to a quarters and that's Mm
1: 2.25 so what were you saying about the asian thing earlier in the episode
2: oh well in the book that i that that i got the powers from that that it also listed like habitat and and location And, and location location says you know um south america europe and asia and i was like oh I wonder where they got the Asia part from. And then I started thinking, well, you know, like the ring girl is kind of similar. She's all white. Mm -hmm. She's got long hair and it's dark hair. It's like that's that's the Yorona right there. Long hair. But that's like whites.
1: That's like all Asian ghost (laughs) lore.
2: Yep. (laughs) I didn't look into it, but I'm like, I'll take it. (laughs) That's
1: funny.
2: Uh, so
1: the way I looked at it, I actually found a Walmart sells a La Llorona costume for cool. children, Angel. <laughs> so that, to me, seems a bit off, all things considered, but it was a, a pretty good costume. There's also, there are tons and tons of movies beyond just the, the, the curse of La Llorona. There's one where santo fights her do you know who santo is the luchador oh yeah um with so so santo if if you don't know out there is almost like a mexican pop culture king he is a luchador who was in almost 60 different movies where he just typically solves crimes or fights (laughs) monsters and he remains in his luchador mask. He was when he died, they buried him in his luchador mask. Um and you I lost him up
3: with
2: the night horse.
1: No, night no, <laughs> Santo and the Night Horse. It could have been easily a one of his movies. There's one where he fights Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> so um, In this one it is the revenge of the Crying Woman, which deviated from his normal movies titles it was always like santo versus uh or most of his movies and my god this one's glorious i I, it came out in 1974 and i think he was born in like the early 1920s maybe so it gives you an idea of how old he was when he was still doing these movies Mm -hmm. and the guy that he was partnered with looked like michael jai white's black dynamite um <laughs> give you an idea of how this movie went and it was just this gnarly old woman <laughs> like hunting kids and santo was just out trying to figure out the crime it was <laughs> it was good so whenever santo is involved i it makes me happy i don't think he makes a bad movie they're all <laughs> so absurd they're amazing there are a ton of La Hirona beers because there's nothing better than naming a beer after an internally crying woman who drowned her children after finding out her husband cheated on her. I mean, why wouldn't you name a beer after that? Okay. So
2: Are they made out of her tears?
1: I didn't I didn't even know about the tequila <laughs> until you told me that. <laughs> Should the beer be sour tasting? That's how I think it should be because of the tears. But I don't know. It should fill you with grief. Yep. You should just be be sad after you drink <laughs> it. Like this beer made me sad. <laughs> so I think with the uh, the more like Walmart sends sells a, co- a Halloween costume. Not everything gets a a Walmart Halloween costume. Um, it's starting to I think now trend more into the greater pop culture over the years and it's like a perfect sci-fi original movie villain as well if you just want some cheap produced movie uh, with some easy to portray villain it works perfectly for that too so I actually landed at a uh, three and a half for impact on pop culture so where did you land in your grand total for uh, La Irona 1275 A rubric, a power score then of 13.125. Wow. So it's not bad. Not a bad showing for the weeping woman. Anything else that you wanted to add before we dry away the tears and (laughs) insert favorite idiom here? Uh.
2: (laughs) La Llorona. uh, Researching the La Llorona was interesting because it uh helped me go back back to a time when that I have forgotten back to when I was uh just a precocious young young child mm mm-hmm. just naive eating, about the world eating
1: colombian chocolates
2: <laughs> <laughs> chocolate, collecting the stickers
3: mm-hmm
1: <laughs> thinking of hmm, I could make a hobby one day out of this chocolate. <laughs> And boy, did I ever. <laughs> and now, look, planning to be a slumlord, so it all worked out.
2: Get those kerchiefs out and wipe those tears away on Twitter. Because you can find us at Cracking Curios and tweet at us all the fun stuff you can think of when it comes to cryptids and or curios. Because we like to crack them. Open and see what's inside. Make sure to include your our hashtag, Cracked cryptids, so that we know what how to find these tweets. Because I know you guys love us so much that you're tweeting at us. You're just not including the hashtag. I just know it. You can also follow us on Instagram at Cracking Cryptids. And I may... Or may not have suggested not to email us anymore last time. I don't know. But if you still feel like doing that, it's cures at gmail.com. But it's not cool anymore, from what I remember, to email us. So maybe it's just a reverse psychology. Don't email us, all right? We don't want your emails. You know the drill. Follow us on all your favorite uh, podcast subscription platforms. We're on all of them. The one that you're thinking of? Yep, we're on that one too. And as always, boo-hoo bye.
0: This has been, and I am
2: actually traveling back into time production. You are very naughty.